Last week's message was all about mercy. God has been merciful to us, therefore we must be merciful to others. And, and James came out with one of the most amazing statements of grace that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And the thing is, James isn't only talking about the way that God's mercy triumphs over the judgment that we deserve. That's where it begins. But he's also talking about how in the lives of the disciples of Jesus, mercy can triumph over our judgment of others. So um, we're going to have the Bible reading now. It's the same Bible reading as last week. And we can just take it in terms of reading it as um, we normally do. Thanks. All right. So I want you to imagine we've all come together for church. That shouldn't be too hard to imagine yet, should it? Okay, but um, I want you to imagine that there is no church. Still not too hard to imagine, is there? Uh, Okay, now imagine that there's no hall, right? So because we have a habit of we're all getting together in somebody's lounge room. So let's, let's pick somebody. Jackie. Can we all meet in your lounge room today? Yep. All right. So we're all meeting in Jackie's lounge room. Now, Jackie, have you got enough seats for all of us in your lounge room? No. But if we really pushed, we'd, we'd be able to cram in there, sort of, wouldn't we? Like, we'd have to have some sitting on chairs, some sitting down on the floor, and some sort of standing up at the back and, and in the hallway, perhaps. All right? Still happy to have us all there, Jackie? Yep. Excellent. All right. And so we all start arriving. And while we're all arriving, two visitors arrive as well. Now, we know that by the time that everybody gets here, that, that um, the lounge room's going to be absolutely crammed, there's going to be some on the floor, there's going to be some standing, but at this stage there's still, still one seat left. Now, these two visitors, they walk through the, through the door, and one is a lady in a very expensive-looking semi-formal dress, a fine necklace and diamond-encrusted jewellery on her finger. She's obviously very wealthy. The other? Well, she looks like she's probably been wearing the same dress for the last three weeks and it hasn't had a wash. Uh, It looks like it might be an old domestic uniform that she might have picked up at Lifeline or something a number of years ago. Now, you've seen them both around town. The the lady with the nice clothes is married to a respected local businessman and and she's quite visible in the the social scene, you know, amongst the more well-to-do folk. And the lady in the dirty dress... Well, that's the only dress you've ever seen her in and as she walks every day um, and takes her equally grubby children to and from the local primary school. And so you go up to the lady with a nice dress and you guide her to the, to the seat, the only seat that's left there, and then you next go up to the lady who looks like she's just had a visit to the dump and say, look, I'm really sorry, but we, we've just run out of seats. Um, so you won't be the only one when everybody else gets here. There's going to be a whole bunch of us standing and sitting down on the floor there in front. Um, so you can choose where you want to go, but, but it's up to you. Now, what have you done? You've welcomed them both. You've both guided them to a position in the lounge room. But you've made a distinction, haven't you? You've treated them differently. You've made a judgment call. You you have judged between the rich woman and the poor woman. And it may actually seem like a rather reasonable judgment. I mean, you wouldn't want that lady to ruin her nice, expensive-looking dress by making her sit down on the floor in it, would you? But then again, she could probably afford to replace it. 
And what happens to the other lady if she, when she's getting down, if she tears a dress? And it's probably the only one that she's got. But it does seem more fitting, doesn't it? You know, imagine what that wealthy lady would think if we made her stand up for the whole service or if we made her crouch down on the floor in front of everybody else. She'd probably never come back again. She'd be offended. But what about the poor lady? Well, she's probably used to it. She's probably used to living on second best or third best or, or getting the dregs. It, and it's probably not going to offend her that much. And so it, it, it actually seems like a pretty reasonable decision to make. And, and the distinctions that we make may seem very fitting by the standards of the world, but they don't fit with the kingdom of God. James says, my brothers show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. I mean, who are we compared to the Lord of glory? Who are we then to have favouritism between one another as we meet before the Lord of glory? And so today's message is about extending mercy through impartiality. James is using the example of the rich and the poor to make his point. To favour the rich over the poor is judging the poor. And we can either be judgmental or merciful. And in this case, all it takes to be merciful is impartiality. I wonder if you've ever thought of that. To be merciful means to be impartial. To treat all of our brothers and sisters in Christ the same as each other. You see, what James is getting at here is to make this distinction, to make this judgment call, dishonours somebody. It dishonours the poor. And that may be the normal course of events in the world, but not in the church. In Christ, we are all equal before God. We are all forgiven sinners. The state of our balance sheet makes none of us any greater or any lesser than the other. We have all been given a privileged position that we do not deserve, a position of honour as the forgiven children of God. So let us not treat one another as more privileged than the other. And to help make his point, James really canes the rich. He and by the way, remember, by world standards, we're all rich, okay? Put up your hands if you're rich. Yep, we're all rich. Get used to it. By world standards, we're all rich. But to help make his point, James really canes the rich. He tells us they exploit the poor, they drag people to court, they slander the name of Jesus. And now these are generalities, of course, but we still see it generally happening in the world today, don't we? Sweatshop labour. No interest is hardly ever paid on, on a low balance bank account. Um, higher interest margins are nearly always charged on loans to the poor, to those who can least afford it, because they're considered a greater risk. Poor countries are exploited by the wealthy countries. Litigation seems to be a favourite pastime among the rich, and the poor can never afford the $1,000 an hour it takes to hire a Queen's Council or $600 an hour for a barrister, and so the rich inevitably have a pretty good start, head start on them when it comes to court. The rich feel that they have their own sense of security and so they don't need Jesus. 
and they ridicule those who follow him. Now, as I said, I'm talking in generalities here. And generally, things haven't changed that much. But the real lesson here is not so much about the poor and the wealthy. We're going to be talking about that more next week because James is using this example then to what we're going to read next week where he launches in to teach us about how we can be merciful to the needy and how it's not just a matter of saying, yep, get well, look after yourself, I hope, I hope everything goes well for you. It's actually a matter of physically helping people out. So that's next week. But for now, the real lesson for now is about making distinctions. It's about making judgments about people. It's about dishonouring your brother or sister in Christ. It's about who we notice and who we don't notice. In verse 3 where it says that if you pay attention to the one who wears the fancy clothes and not to the poor lady, poor man, sorry, they're talking man, Well, the Greek word used there for pay attention to, it it really means notice, right? So if you notice the ones who are well-to-do and don't notice the others, that dishonours the ones who you've not noticed. And for some of us, well, there may be people who we just don't notice. We don't feel like we're excluding anyone. We're not doing it on purpose. We just haven't noticed them. And there's the lesson. The merciful notice everybody. The merciful make no distinctions. The only distinction that the merciful make is they put themselves last and everybody else on an equal footing first. And there may be someone sitting here right now who feels that nobody ever notices them. It's like they come to church and during worship it's all fine and they can participate and be, be a part of what's happening. But then afterwards, when we all get together for smoko, no one seems to notice them. We all gravitate into our little cliques, our little groups of friends. And inevitably, some people just get left out. We mightn't do it on purpose. We're not vindictive about it. We just don't notice them. And that's the point that James is making. The merciful notice those who go unnoticed by just about everyone else. To simply not notice someone is to judge them. It dishonours them. It it cuts them out. What's it say to them? Hey, you're not really one of us. You're not really welcome. You don't fit in. Now I'm going to move away from the rich versus poor example because in Australia that's probably not the biggest distinction. In Australia we have probably a bigger distinction, the somebodies and the nobodies. If Michael Clark or Bernard Tomic or Kate Blanchett came to church, you'd notice them, hey? Yeah? Would you notice them? Yeah. Or even if someone... Not quite as famous. Someone like John Anderson, maybe Wayne Bennett, came to church. You'd notice him. Yeah? I reckon I could just about guarantee that they would have quite a gathering of people around them 
They'd be brought into a circle and, and many of us would want to make them feel welcome and, and just have the privilege of, of talking to them. And, and I'd be very surprised that if, if they were available, if, if nobody invited them home for lunch. Now, what if a local nobody turned up at church on the very same day? Somebody who, if you engage them in conversation, it might have the capacity to impact on their life for years to come. Would you notice them if they came to church on the same day? Well, of course, in a gathering this small, you'd probably notice that they were here. But would you, consi- would you go and speak to them? Would you consider it a privilege to get to know them? to get to know what it is that makes them tick? Would you invite them into your home for lunch and, and be excited if they were to ever return the, the invitation to you so you could go to their place? Some people we notice and some we don't. Impartiality is tough. Sometimes <laughs> we just don't know how to relate to somebody and so we distance ourselves because we are so unalike. They're not like us. They're not like our friends. They're not like our neighbours. They're not like anyone who we've ever dealt with. And so we distinguish between them and those who are like us. There's been a few times I can remember in various churches that I've been in when, when someone new comes to church and somebody's later on made the comment to me, oh, they fitted in so well. They're just like one of us. And I've seen the way that they instantly get brought into the group, into the fellowship, into the inner circle even, invited to people's homes for lunches. They get invited to all the parties and they they just instantly become one of the church family, just like that. But in the meantime, there's been people the Lord has brought to church, sometimes regularly, and they have desperately wanted to be included. They've, they've desperately felt this need to be loved, that, but they're not out of the same mould. And if somebody does their duty to talk to them, it's only for a couple of minutes, and then they make their excuses and, and move on to their mates. And they've never been made to feel welcome. They've been excluded. And to the extent that we welcome one more than the other, we become judges with evil thoughts. That's what James is saying. And what about who we invite to church in the first place? Do we just invite people who are like us or, or do we make an effort to get to know, know those who are completely different to us and invite them to church? You know, in a church full of young families, a single or a divorced person may feel excluded. A church full of white people might never invite an Aborigine into their homes or along to church. In a church full of successful business people, the hired worker or the, somebody who's on minimum wage may feel really left out. In a church of the fit and sporty, well, the fat and the ugly... The disabled or the uncoordinated may feel left out because they just don't participate in the same activities and they feel excluded. In a church full of young people, 
the elderly may be excluded. In a church of somewhat sane people, um, the mentally ill and the depressed may seem like just too much jolly hard work. And so we don't say you're not welcome, but we sort of just don't have much to do with them because they're too hard work and they feel excluded. And if most of us are reasonably well adjusted, the addict, the alcoholic, the ADHD, the autistic, the socially inept can easily be excluded too. At this stage, you might say to me, but Michael, you, you just don't understand. Some people, they are so much unlike me. We come from such different backgrounds. I find it so hard to relate to these sorts of people. I just can't do it. And my answer would be, look to Jesus. Where did he come from? He spent his time with tax collectors and prostitutes, with the lowest of the low, with thieves and swindlers and and women who would sell their own bodies to make a buck. Did he come from their background? There was only one thing in his experience before he came, and that was the experience of the holiness of the glory of God. And yet he was impartial. There was only one thing that was stronger than Jesus' repulsion of sin. And that is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This was the love that Jesus had for his neighbour that he demonstrated in mercy. And that's where the answer is for us. We receive God's love, God's mercy poured out in his love. And we begin to love others with that same love. We extend mercy with that same mercy. James says, doesn't God call the poor? See, the kingdom of God has always grown from the nobodies. People who come with nothing to give. We can be bigoted or big hearted. We can be big on judgment or big in mercy. The merciful notice everyone. The merciful make no distinctions. The merciful are impartial as they welcome in the name of Christ. And my prayer is that we would be a merciful church. I hope we already are. But my prayer is that we would be a more and more merciful church, that that we would show no favouritism, but we would be welcoming to all. And if you're one of those who feel that you're the one who might get excluded, you're the one who people forget about, you're the one who people just don't notice, How about you become the merciful and you be the one who notice others. You be the one who extends the love of God to those who you think might have excluded you in the past. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
Lord, I want to thank you that Jesus loves us so much that he stepped out of his place of comfort. He stepped out of the out of heaven and down to earth to suffer and die for us. Lord, I want to thank you for the amazing privilege that that it is for all of us. Lord, we are all so highly honoured that you would call us your children. And Lord, I pray that we, as your family, would be welcoming. That just as you welcome the unloved, the unpopular, the shunned, that, Lord, we also would be welcoming. Help us to have no distinctions between one another. Help us to be merciful by showing no favouritism. Not just with people who come through these doors, Lord, but people who we would associate with out in the community. Lord, help us to recognise the one who has not noticed and to get alongside that person and, and share with them the most, the most blessed story they could ever hear and that is the story of a saviour who came for them. Lord, I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to be merciful as you are merciful in Jesus' name. Amen.